Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's talk to Paul Lucas. Mr. Lucas is the former president and CEO of GlaxoSmithKline, the uh, huge international pharmacy, pharmacological company. And uh, I've spoken with Mr. Lucas on this program before. If you've been with us, then you know. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Lucas about a, a, an op-ed that he wrote that appeared in the Financial Post. And the headline is, Why We're Not Doing Better on COVID Vaccines, Liberal Government Pharmaceutical Policy Has Failed Canadians at Our Time of Greatest Need. Mr. Lucas, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? Good, Roy. Good to be with you. So the Prime Minister says it's temporary. Uh, Pfizer says it's temporary. But this is an incomplete picture. We have... We have promises uh, of massive numbers of vaccines, and yet here we are, middle of January 2021, 1% of our population has been vaccinated. I don't know where to start with this, other than to, to ask you to please b- maybe begin with that. Your thoughts on the delay in the delivery of Pfizer vaccines to Canada? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, um, like a lot of Canadians, Roy, I'm disappointed and frustrated with what's happening with the vaccine uh, rollout from the federal government. I'm you know, I'm comfortable that the provinces have their act together now, and uh, frankly, they're sitting there waiting for more vaccines. And the bottom line is that for some reason, uh, the federal government did not acquire enough vaccines early on uh, in the approval process and rollout process. And, you know, this uh, this Pfizer issue that we're facing right now, you know, that's that's not a big surprise. I mean, this is a massive uh, campaign globally, and they're going to run into some hitches. Uh, the good news is is that they're uh, that they're retooling a little bit so that they can produce more more doses. And I think, you know, I think they will get Canada back on track. But you know, the issue still remains, and and the reason I'm frustrated and disappointed is that you know we don't, we're only going to receive 1.2 million doses of vaccine by the end of January and 6 million by the end of March. That's to allow us to vaccinate 3 million Canadians. That's uh, less than 10% of our population. So no matter how you cut it, um, and, and, the, and looking at what's happening globally, we are not doing nearly as well as many other countries in the world with respect to this early part of the campaign. And I yeah, I'm also frustrated by some of the things that uh, Mr. Trudeau has has said, and uh, your your um, start to the program here uh, captured a couple of them. But you know, the one that gets to me is that uh, he has said over and over again that we are better on vaccines than just about every other country, and that's a direct quote from back in December. And clearly, it's not true. And so you begin to wonder how much of this is political rhetoric as opposed to fact. And so I wrote the, uh, the opinion piece because I really uh, believe Canadians need to know why we are in the position we are in today. So um, you also, in the opinion piece, you refer to 2009 and the H1N1 pandemic and the vaccine production distribution that took place in Canada at that time. And uh, your company, DSK, was very much involved in that. So would you just... Um, just reference 2009, and do we have the capability in 2016, 2016, 2021, do we have the capability in 2021 to replicate what was done in 2009, or has the situation just been allowed to incrementally deteriorate? Well, 
I think you've probably captured it. If you go back to 2009, yes, GlaxoSmithKline had responsibility for producing the, the H1N1 vaccine for that pandemic. And many people probably don't even remember that pandemic, but we ended up vaccinating 40% of the population in just a few short months with a brand new vaccine. So it was very successful. Uh, it was part of a joint agreement between the government of Canada and GlaxoSmithKline. And things worked out pretty well. And what amazes me is that here we are in another pandemic, and we seem to be scrambling from day one. You know, we did not learn from what we learned from H1N1 and apply it to to this pandemic. And whether or not we should have, we should have done one of two things. We should have been a, in a position where Canada was able to produce a vaccine for this campaign, for this pandemic. Or we would have uh, had a relationship with uh, a number of the global pharmaceutical companies to partner with them to make sure we got early access to any uh, vaccines that they developed. And the reality is, is that the government of Canada should have known that um, the, the only realistic way of having a vaccine for this pandemic was from one of the global pharmaceutical companies. This, this is a massive pandemic. Uh, the number of doses that are required, uh, the speed which is required in the research and development and manufacturing is such that nothing in Canada today has any chance of actually producing a vaccine in that situation. It's not to say that we shouldn't have been, we should have been in that situation, actually. We should have learned from 2009 and from SARS before that <laughs> that we needed to be prepared because we knew there was another one coming. That was never a question. Absolutely. We knew it was coming. Everybody's always said it was coming, and there will be another one after this one, and we need to be prepared for that one. But, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's uh, quite perplexing, actually, as to why in a situation where the government of Canada has had, on an ongoing basis, a pandemic preparedness plan. That's been there for decades, probably now, at least a decade and a half. Uh, and they applied it in H1N1, and then everybody said, "Well, we need to learn from that camp from that pandemic, and we will apply the learnings to the next pandemic." Well, we didn't, and we haven't. And uh, shame on the government of Canada at this point for not doing that. You know, right? We have 11,000 employees in Health Canada uh, across the country. 11,000 and. You know, none of them, I guess, were able to pull that pandemic plan out of the out of the drawer and say, "Okay, let's implement this thing," because we made yeah. pretty well every mistake we could make. Uh, Barb sends an email to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. How can anyone have confidence in our Pfizer contract when we are in the country category of other? Sounds like Canada is an afterthought. My guest is Paul Lucas. He's the former president and CEO of GSK Canada. And uh, we're talking about Mr. Lucas's op-ed, which appeared in the Financial Post, why we're not doing better on COVID vaccines. Mr. Lucas, you just touched on this before the break, and one of the challenges, and we've, you and I spoke about this earlier in a previous interview, is the relationship between the federal government, this one, and pharmaceutical companies, and the Trudeau government put a great deal of faith. Now, this is fast-forwarding. They could have, should have done what they didn't do for a long time. But the Trudeau government put much faith in a negotiated vaccine development with the CanSino, the Chinese company. And then China, in August, reneged on the deal, just slammed the door. 
So, uh, in, in your view, Canada failed to financially support accelerated, if I understand this correctly, support accelerated vaccine development by Western pharmaceutical companies. But in contrast, the United States contributed $12 billion in that regard. And as you write in your op-ed, the Americans are now reaping the benefit with large vaccine supply for domestic distribution. Could you expand on that? Yeah, sure, Roy. Um, well, I have to come back to one of Mr. Trudeau's other quotes. And, um, you know, he, he said also in December that investments early on in vaccine developers helped them move faster. And I think he was implying that Canada had helped do that. And that's just not true. Um, and that's probably, it could be one of the reasons why we have so few vaccines at this point in time. Because other countries actually reduced the risk uh, and helped global companies speed up the development of these vaccines by contributing significant funding to them. So, uh, as you mentioned, uh, warp speed in the U.S., through warp speed, uh, the U.S. contributed $12 billion to various pharmaceutical companies to help them move quicker. Uh, Germany did the same thing. U.K. did the same thing. Uh, but Canada didn't do anything. We, we, didn't, we didn't contribute at all to the development of those vaccines. We, we basically have been a purchaser. Uh, and, and who knows? I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons why we've got so few vaccines early on. So, so the UK, if we can just look at relationships that exist between vaccine developers and uh, distributors, pharmaceutical companies, the UK will vaccinate some 15 million people in the next five weeks. Canada should and could be on a par proportionately, right? Absolutely. But we won't be. Um, you know, our, our numbers... Uh, don't look great to the end of March, as I said earlier. I mean, we're going to we're going to vaccinate three million people at at the most, uh, which is less than ten percent of our population. You know, and the U.S. is saying that they're going to achieve herd immunity by May June of this year. So that means they will have vaccinated two hundred and two hundred and fifty million people by that time. Uh, Israel says they're going to achieve herd immunity by the end of January, <laughs> and. You know, we won't achieve herd immunity based on the projections now until September, October at the earliest. So we're three to four months at least behind most of the other Western countries. And, you know, that, that three to four months is pretty important. It means three to four more months of lockdowns, of deaths, of uh, lost businesses. Uh, the impact is dramatic, and I think Canadians need to uh, demand uh, you know, an explanation from the federal government as to why we are in this situation. You see nothing being done now, I gather, to improve the situation, to correct the relationship, to actually work with the pharmaceutical companies. And, and I know that the issue of generic drugs had a lot to do with it, but... Uh, Given the fact that we've had a number of pandemics already in this uh, 21st century, we ought to be aware. Uh, this is the third one, right? This is this is uh, we should be aware of the need to move forward and to have not only the ability to produce but also manufacture and distribute. It has to it has to be far much better, well, far far better than it was, and at least get back to the levels that you experienced in 2009 with with H1N1. Yeah, absolutely, and we should be even we should be doing even better than that. Uh, so, so we have a long way to go. Um, but, you know, uh, part of this problem does come back to the fact that, 
you know, Canada made a choice back a number of years ago of, of not supporting the innovative pharmaceutical industry and supporting a generic industry, which uh, is nowhere to be seen right now. Um, and uh, I guess we have to ask the question, I guess if we were to ask Canadians the question, do you believe that the innovative pharmaceutical industry, the industry that's developed these vaccines and other new medicines, do you believe that they should be a strategic industry for Canada uh, going forward, or should it, should it be one now? I would think that most Canadians would say, absolutely. I mean, this industry is critical uh, moving forward to ensure that we have access as Canadians to new vaccines and medicines. But the reality is that the industry is not. And in fact, Mr. Baines, who is the in, uh, industry minister, outgoing at this point, um, just went through an exercise to determine which industry should be strategic for Canada. And they came to the conclusion just a month ago that the, the pharmaceutical life sciences industry doesn't make that list. So, you know, I, I, I got to shake my head and say, you know, yeah. we, you we really need to change our thinking about what's important to this country mm-hmm. in terms of our industries. We have a minute left, uh, Mr. Lucas. We also had that federal unit, I, uh, GHPIN, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the letters mixed up. Yeah. But their responsibility was to, do, to find uh, pandemic outbreaks early by investigating different aspects of how financial realities were changing in countries, and they were very good at it. And uh, the Trudeau government essentially uh, shut them down, reassigned their investigators, and we may have lost, out, lost on the ability to, uh, to catch um, COVID-19 much earlier. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this comes back to the pandemic uh, preparedness plan and the, the GFIN, which you referred That's to, right, which GFIN. is basically yeah. the, in, the intelligence network that Canada, Canada had built, and right. unique in the world, yeah. was instrumental uh, in ensuring that we knew what was going around okay. around the world. I have, so, to, I have to stop you there just because yeah. of the clock, but I always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for talking to us today. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.